Hey everyone, this is Des from The Wellness Project. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today is a very special episode. It is my 50th episode of this podcast. I'm so excited. I can't believe that it is the big 5-0. So I started this podcast a while ago, but I didn't really find where I was. I didn't figure out what I was doing. I didn't know the direction I wanted to go in. I only kind of figured it out last year. So this podcast has gone through some twists and turns and ups and downs and changes. When I first started, if you listen to episode one through, I think three or four, I was actually doing movie reviews because I'm a screenwriter and I thought that's what I still wanted to do. I love watching movies and I love sharing my opinions about movies. So I thought that I would turn my YouTube channel where I used to do movie reviews into a podcast, but that just didn't feel right anymore. I think I've kind of moved on from the movie reviews. I still love watching movies and recommending them, but I'm not so much into the movie reviews anymore. And then I started interviewing people, which was my major goal because being a therapist, I love talking to people, getting to know their stories about their lives and their interests and everything. So I started interviewing people, which was a big goal of mine. So I was really excited that I was able to start that, but I started interviewing people about their hobbies and interests and passions, which is something I love knowing about. And that's what my Facebook group was about. But then I kind of made another shift where I decided that I wanted, according to Des, which actually this podcast used to be called, I even changed the name of my podcast, um, you know, about a year or so ago, maybe, maybe less than that, but I even changed the name of my podcast, but under my brand, according to Des and my Facebook group, I was focused more on passions and hobbies and everything. And I decided to make the shift to be wellness and mental health, which, you know, being a therapist, it felt natural. It took me a while to get there, but I did finally get there. And that's where I am. I'm focusing on wellness and mental health. And that's why lately I've been bringing you all aspects of wellness. And I've interviewed chiropractors and energy healers. And today I interviewed an advanced EFT practitioner and certified wellness counselor. And she is the founder of value yourself counseling. And her interview is amazing. And I'm so happy to have this interview as my 50th episode. It is with Amanda Ferret. And I'm so excited to bring you this interview. And I have so many more people lined up to interview, to bring you amazing episodes. So yeah, I think it's been quite a journey and I think I finally found kind of my thing. I think I love doing it. I love interviewing the people I've been interviewing. I love bringing you valuable interviews each week. And that's another thing too. Sometimes I do every other week and sometimes I do weekly now that I am off for the summer because I work in a middle school and high school providing mental health. I'm off for the summer. So I have kind of more time and energy in me. So I've been posting every single week, but I think probably come September, I'll be going back to every other week, maybe October, because I'm going to have a backlog of interviews that I've done. So I'm going to try to keep it going weekly as long as possible, but just being in my field, as you will hear in Amanda's interview as well, is very draining and exhausting and you're giving your whole self to other people. And I get, you know, I've talked about this on my past podcast episodes before, especially in the one about burnout a few episodes back was that, you know, I do get really burned out for my job. I love it. I love 
working with my coworkers. I love working with my students. I love working with kids and teenagers, but I come home from work and I just lay on the couch and I'm so drained. I could like barely talk. And I just watch Netflix for hours. I watch movies and TV shows and I binge and it's kind of unhealthy. So this summer I've really been focused on taking care of myself. I've been exercising. I've been trying to eat healthy. I've been making so many fruit salads. I've been trying to get outside more. I've been trying to hike more. I've been trying to spend time with friends because this past year I barely spent any time with friends, which Amanda and I also speak about in this episode And we talk a lot about self-care. So definitely tune into this episode. It was such a great interview. I just got off with Amanda and I loved speaking with her. And I think you're really going to love this episode. It's going to be super, super valuable. And I think that it's really going to inspire you. So let's do it. Let's talk with Amanda during my 50th episode. Everyone, I'm so excited. I have Amanda Ferret with me here today. She is the founder of Value Yourself Counseling. She's an advanced EFT practitioner and a certified wellness counselor. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk with you and have you explain to my audience what EFT is and all the things you do. So first and foremost, can you share your story with my audience, how you got where you are today? I know you're pretty open about your mental health issues. Can you just share some of that with my audience? Sure. So I've always been the friend that everybody else always came to for advice. So I always had this knack kind of for, you know, counseling, but I also always reached out for support. In junior high, one of my dearest supports and best friends was actually our school counselor. Um, You know, my dad was going through a period in his life where he wasn't always the nicest guy and junior high is rough. I'm sure that there's a lot of us, you couldn't pay us enough money in the world to go back to junior high. Oh yeah. It's just, it's, it's brutal. Right. And so I was always in the counselor's office because I believed in getting support, but where I wasn't getting support was, you know, in the home, I was often called a drama queen or that I was told I was too emotional. Fast forward to when I was old enough to kind of go and take care of my own needs and seek out counseling. Turns out that I've probably had anxiety my entire life (laughs) and, you know, depression and some other things. And um, my most recent diagnosis was attachment disorder. And that came after experiencing a lot of grief and trauma in a very short period of time. So I was in grad school, actually pursuing a master's of social work, was going to go and become, you know, a counselor and do all those things, get my licensure and um, was actually going to do school social work. Then life was like, oh, no, I got got a different idea for you. And my dad, who had been battling cancer, um, it was pretty obvious in the summer of 2016 that he was starting to lose that battle finally. And so I took the fall term off went home, spent the last two and a half weeks of his life with him, then went back and started school winter term and was barely into winter term when I got the call, hey, um, grandpa's dying, you know, you should probably come home. Spent the last week of my grandpa's life with him, then went right back to school, right? And caught back up and finished that term Wow. and finished spring term. During the summer, found out that my cat who'd been with me for over a decade from Philly back to Montana was dying of kidney failure, said goodbye to her on a Saturday, started the fall term on a Monday. Oh my gosh. And throughout out there, there was other losses as well. I lost a friend. I had one of the uh, kids who I'd mentored, her brother died. Um, and I had also known and worked with him a little bit at the junior high I worked in for four years. I had a cousin die 
And then unexpectedly have a heart attack. And he was older. He was my dad's cousin. And, but then my grandma fell and took a turn. And so Christmas break, I got to finish my finals for that fall term at my grandma's bedside. And then she passed away and I stayed through Christmas break and then came back and started winter term in January of 2018. And finally life imploded because I had never taken care of my mental health. I was doing things for my physical health. I was, you know, doing everything else I could, but mental health and emotional health was not getting time and space because I was in school for social work. I was taking care of everyone else and learning how to do that. Right. And had an internship and, you know, everyone else was my focus and my priority and that quit working (laughs) in a big way. (laughs) And I had to get really honest with myself and say to the school and to other people, like, look, this isn't working. I need to take a, take a break. I need to step back and take some time for myself. So took a break from school and got myself a therapist and started, you know, doing some work again on myself and taking that time for me. And then I realized I didn't want to go back to grad school. Wow. It wasn't for me. While I recognized how privileged I was to have access to a higher education, I also recognized how oppressive it can be. I didn't want to have to like finish two more, you know, another year and a half of school, do a couple of years of working for somebody and get all my hours for my licensure. And, you know, like the NASW exists for a reason, but they have all their red tapes. And, you know, and I'm just like, no, I want to help people. Like I want to actually be able to help people without bureaucratic red tape or agencies telling me what I can and can't do. Like I want to organically, genuinely, authentically use my gifts and help people. But first I needed to take care of myself. And so I did that for a couple of years, summer of 2019, July, um, a friend of mine who was actually married to my best friend's sister died by suicide. Oh no. We were very taken aback that that was his choice. And I immediately was like, I'm coming home. I'm going to help you guys get through this. Like, cause they were just rocked by this mm-hmm. loss and went home for about six, seven weeks and helped navigate all the things was making meals, was doing essential oil blends, was buying crystals and helping them create rites and rituals and doing all these things and just holding space. Like I said, it's my best friend. We'd been friends for decades. I had also gone to high school with this gentleman who died by suicide, her brother-in-law. So there was all these connections, right? People that I'd known for quite some time. So just sitting with them in different ways and holding space for them in the ways that they needed, right? Whether that was just sitting there silently or sharing memories. And I came home from that really impacted in like, okay, I've been through my stuff, right? And when I was in the depth of my like really dark stuff after I quit grad school, my social anxiety was through the roof. I was pretty much agoraphobic. I would only leave my house for therapy um, or very few other things. Like if I had to take my animals to the vets or things like that. So I had pretty much cut myself off from the world. And then was as I was coming back out, I was like, okay, I have these gifts. I've been through my journey. I've sat with the darkest things that somebody can, you know, sit with. And I can sit in those dark spaces with other people in a really beautiful way. How do I turn this into something? I sat down with a friend that was a business coach and we kind of tossed some ideas around. And so I started out in December, 2019 as kind of emotional wellness coach. And then I 
was getting into the world, I was starting to network and I was starting to make connections. And that was my first foray back into like the real world. And then COVID hit. Wow. And I was like, okay, A, how do you build a business in COVID? And B, what is this going to do to my own mental health and well-being? I just came out of being agoraphobic. I just got back into like attending events with 60 plus people. Now I have to stay home. I have to isolate. I have to only see people through a computer screen. And it's been a journey. And in that journey, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn all that I can learn. I'm going to improve myself, you know, because everybody turned to online and suddenly there were all these courses and classes and opportunities. And one of those was a coach that I knew invited Jackie McDonald to come on and do a live. And she was doing tapping. And I got on just in time for, to start following along with the tapping she was doing and tears started to flow. And I felt this weight lift off my shoulders. And I was like, what is this magic? I need this in my life not only for myself, but this is what I meant to do with other people. So of course, Jackie had a course coming up and I was like, here's my credit card number. <laughs> like, yes, let's do this. And then found out there was the advanced as well. So signed up for that. It's very much what I love to do. Um, it's a modality that I believe very strongly in. And then I also found out that eCornell had all these wonderful certification programs and they had one in wellness counseling and, you know, I spent all this money on grad school, but I left grad school in trauma and trauma brain likes to bury things because it thinks it's helping us, but it buries the good stuff with the bad stuff, right? The uncomfortable stuff. And I'm like, no, I paid a lot of money for that good stuff. I need that education to come back. Like, I want to <laughs> use that stuff. That was expensive. Give me that back. <laughs> so I <laughs> took this great eCornell course and it did, it brought all those wonderful tools back and learn some new things as well. And just really strengthened, you know, that I'm skilled in this field. I've always worked in social services or mental health, as well as navigating my own side of that. Yeah. And so here I am now I'm, you know, a certified wellness counselor and a certified advanced EFT practitioner. And I use those things together. Um, I say that I help women make peace with their past, fall in love with their present and get excited about their future because that's the beauty of EFT is we can go in and we can do those past memories and parts of self-work. We can help you, you know, find the piece that you need to get through the day-to-day, -day, you know, right now, right here. And then we can go in and do some beautiful visualization work and tapping around what you want to bring in. You know, we also talk about release to receive in the EFT world. And it's just an amazing thing to watch happen. Wow. Well, that is quite the journey to get where you are today. And I just want to say, I'm so sorry for everything you had to go through. I mean, that is so much grief in such a short amount of time. I can't even imagine what you went through. I really can. And you, you got through it and now you're helping other people. So that's really inspiring and amazing. So I'm glad that you're here Thank to you. do that. So can you explain for my audience, for those that don't know, what exactly is EFT? So it stands for emotional freedom techniques, and it's a combination of Eastern and Western practices. So the Eastern part of it is that you're literally tapping on your own body on various acupressure points and meridian points um, throughout your hands, head, and body. And what that does 
is it calms the amygdala, which is our part of the brain that does fight, flight, or freeze, calms our limbic system, which is in charge of our emotions, and it calms the sympathetic nervous system so we can get more into the parasympathetic nervous system and access higher thinking in our subconscious. So it calms down all those stress systems, right? The pump cortisol and all that stuff that our systems we've needed since prehistoric days when we had to like fight or flight, really, to survive. So when we're tapping on those points, we're calming those systems down and allowing ourselves to have greater access to the subconscious. And that's where the Western part comes in and we bring in some talk therapy. So it's kind of similar to neuro-linguistic programming and those kind of sense where we're, we're, we're telling a new message. But first we give space for whatever emotions are being felt to have that space, right? We vent it out. We give them space to be seen, heard, felt. We honor those emotions. Then we start to introduce what's possible. You know, where would you like to go instead? What would you like to be feeling? What is possible if you felt a different way? And then we land on affirmations, which is just a really beautiful thing to kind of move you from a state of being in a really intense, difficult emotional state through possibility to affirmations of like believing that you're in that better space of where you wanted to be. Okay, great. Yeah. It really sounds amazing. I've tried a little bit of tapping before, but um, not in depth at all. So I really appreciate that um, explanation. How is tapping different or similar to EMDR? Very similar as in it kind of works on similar parts of the brain. The amazing thing about tapping, and I don't know, I haven't looked at the studies yet for EMDR compared to EFT, but there are studies I know out there that Harvard has done and Dr. Peter Stapleton. I know there's people out there that are like, oh, this stuff sounds a little wooey to me. No, I promise there is science behind it. Dr. Peter Stapleton is the woman you want to go. She's got a great Instagram. She also wrote the book, The Science Behind Tapping. There are studies out there that she's done and others have done that show that EFT does similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, but the difference is, is that the results go deeper and they last longer. So they have done the brain scans and all that. And they show that the EFT, those that have done EFT, there's more areas of the brain that are affected and they stay affected in a positive way longer. So it's effective in a more intense and more lengthy time period than cognitive behavioral therapy, which is often the go-to for therapy. Right. Interesting. I didn't know that. That is fascinating. Okay, great. And so as for tapping, what are the different issues that tapping would help with? Oh my gosh. The list is literally, I feel like the list is never ending. I know women I graduated with that use it around like food sensitivities and food allergies Like they have a a child that has those things and they tap not only with the child, but with other moms who have children with those issues, you know, around the feelings that come up with that, as well as the health stuff, the health side of that migraines, body aches, grief, depression, as the advance, I can go back and we can do inner childhood work. We can do wounded warrior work. We can do stuff, you know, bringing your wise woman in, we can do your future self, right? We can do all those parts of self. We can go back into past memories and reframe the perspective and emotions around those memories so that you can have some healing and some closure and some resolve around memories that are, you know, wounds still today. Um, It can be used for, you know, future visioning, like, you know, it can, and it can be used on a daily basis for, oh, I woke up kind of crappy today and I don't really like how I'm feeling. And I'd like to feel a little more joy. 
I'm going to tap on it and bring some, you know, see what I need to do to bring some joy into my day. So it can be used on everything. I know people that do it with their kids. It can be used kind of in an emergent situation where like you feel yourself ramping up and you need to kind of calm it down. I teach people finger tapping. So that's literally where you just use a couple fingers from like pointer and middle finger of one hand to tap along the nail bed on the side of the fingers of your other hand. And that can, you know, you can do that inconspicuously some places, or if you've only got one hand, you can take your thumb and tap along the nail beds of the other fingers and kind of calm yourself down. So it's a tool used to kind of interrupt or move from any kind of difficult or really intense emotional states to a more desired emotional state. Okay. And so, um, there's those immediate benefits of what just like being calm and Mm -hmm. peaceful and, you know, getting back into a state of, you know, healthy being, but, um, are there long-term benefits that you know of? Yes, because you're basically reprogramming the subconscious. So similar to EMDR and hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, those things that go in, when you are doing the tapping and you're calming those three systems, we talked about the, um, Um, amygdala, the limbic, and the sympathetic nervous system, you are going in and you're accessing the subconscious. And the subconscious is then able to say, hey, I've got this memory. Do you remember this memory? Let's, Let's talk about this. This is where this belief started. So you've got this belief that you don't want to have anymore. Well, this is where it came from. So hey, over here, pay attention, right? And then you can start to kind of unpack those things. I know people that have used EFT for like wanting to stop habits or change eating behaviors or those kinds of things, because you can go in and kind of get to the emotional root of it, get to where those behaviors started, get to where those beliefs started, those memories, whatever, like wherever those were rooted in the subconscious, and then start to kind of chip away and work away at those. And how Dr. Peta Stapleton talks about it is she talks about it. The global issue is the top of the table and all the incidences that reinforce that global issue are the legs of the table. And what EFT does is it starts to knock out those legs under the table. And then pretty soon, once the tabletop is no longer supported, that global belief or emotion or memory, it goes away. There's nothing there to hold it there anymore. So I like to work with people on thought patterns and beliefs that come from like, you know, childhood stuff. And we're able to kind of go back in there and be like, okay, when was the first time this belief was true for you? Where, what memory was that? We have this way of really beautifully going back to these memories and then digging, was that really the first time? No, I was four years old when I was told, you know, to like sit down and be quiet. And that's the first time I was made to feel like I couldn't have a voice or whatever, right? And then we start to go back and we can go into those memories with your present day self, who's obviously much wiser, right? Than Mm -hmm. four-year-old self or 10-year-old self or even 20-year-old self, right? And we can kind of go in and say, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. Let's do this tapping. Let's do some work. And the shifts that I've seen in working with people I joke that I, I, when people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I make people cry. And people will be like, what the heck? And I'm like, no, but in the most beautiful way. And they're like, okay, now I'm intrigued. Like, tell me more. And it is, it's this moment of watching these women have that aha of like, that's where that came from. That's why I believe that about myself. That's why I felt this way. 
or, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I've been carrying this for 20 years. And then we can go in there and help them let that go or rework it or build new emotions around it that feel more comfortable, safer. And that's where that freedom comes in, right? And the emotional freedom techniques is you then get that freedom. You have these new feelings, these new perspectives, and it brings this, you know, I don't want to say healing, right? Because, but it is, it is a level of healing. Are you done? Are you good to go? No, because life goes on in this world is constantly bombarding us with stuff, right? That we need Mm -hmm. to keep working on, but it's this beautiful shift in awareness. I mean, that is the key to unlocking anything in emotional and mental health is awareness because we can be trying to solve a problem, but if we don't know the root of the problem, we're going to be using all the wrong tools until we finally get it right. But if we sit with it and we get some awareness first, we're going to narrow down what tools we need and we're going to get there a lot faster. And that's the beauty of EFT is in the way that we go through the process of doing it, um, especially when you do it with a practitioner, I'm asking you the questions to dig deeper, to get in there so that we know what key we need to unlock the lock we need to unlock for it to all start to kind of fall into place. Once that happens, I mean, there's tears typically. And that's why I say I like to make people cry is because it's this magical release of like, oh, oh my gosh. And giving them that awareness gives them all the power they need to make those changes, to be healthier, to have that emotional freedom, to be more aligned and more authentic, to be more confident, to get rid of those old messaging and that old programming that was holding them back or keeping them down, right? Like we are so good at beating ourselves up and letting those old tapes play over and over again. And that's why I love EFT is because we get to go in there and press stop on the, on the boom box, so to speak, and go record some new messages. Wow. That sounds really, really powerful. So is EFT something that once you teach a client EFT tapping the technique, they're able to do it at home on their own? I'm going to say yes. There's a both and right. Yes. And no. And the yes is there is totally tapping you can do on your own. There's apps out there. There's YouTube videos. There's people on TikTok. There's people on Facebook. The woman I learned from Jackie McDonald has a membership where she taps every day. There are tons of places where you can kind of go learn, follow along, and then adapt and do it on your own. Where I say no is when you've got, depending, like I just, I talked about earlier with the table. If you've got some pretty big table legs or there's a lot of table legs and they are rooted in trauma. It was a message that was kind of, for lack of better words, literally beaten kind of into you over the years. That's where I say stick with a practitioner or it's best to have a practitioner just because we can ask the questions to get you to dig in deeper. And when something comes up that you're not ready for, we can help you put it away safely. Right. Because the subconscious typically won't bring things up that you're not ready for or that it, it believes you're ready for at least, but you might not be because your subconscious doesn't always, you know, it thinks it knows everything, right? But you might not be ready for something that it reminds you of. And we as practitioners um, of the McDonald manifestation method, we are trained in how to help you put that away safely because the point of how we are trained and the work that we do is 
we don't want to re-traumatize. We don't want to do any further harm. We are there to help and to be a part of the healing process, not do more damage. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I would say to folks, yeah, go try it out. But if stuff's coming up for you, that's where you find a practitioner because it's definitely like the daily emotions. Like if you are somebody, I'm not a morning person. And there are days where I wake up and it's, it feels like the whole day is going to be a morning. Right. And I just, I'm not also (laughs) a cancer. So I got my moods. Right. So I use tapping to move me through that energy, right. To get that energy moving and to get me in a better space emotionally. But in that deeper stuff where there's, you know, either parts of self-work or past self-work memories, trauma, or those really deep rooted thought patterns and beliefs. That's where I recommend utilizing a practitioner. Okay, great. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And as for those deep rooted thoughts and beliefs and the stories that people tell themselves, why do you think that people get stuck in that? And like you said, it's like a record player. It's just on repeat in your mind and you can't get rid of it. And EFT is kind of like that, you know, stop. But why do you think that is that people struggle with that? Because we have reptilian brains, right? That, that take over our frontal lobes. Those reptilian brains are there to keep us safe and they do a darn good job. So they like to bring those messages up over and over again, because they think they're doing their job in keeping us safe. No, (laughs) they aren't always keeping us safe. A lot of times they're actually doing more damage or kind of keeping us stuck or playing small. Right. And so the magic of EFT is we tell the amygdala to calm down. We tell the limbic system to calm down. We tell the sympathetic nervous system to calm down. And then if you're with a practitioner, that practitioner is guiding you in a very safe way to kind of check in and dig into that subconscious. And we are then able to kind of pull those strings out of the subconscious and like find out again, what's going on. Then tell the subconscious, no, this this is, this is where that's great. And Here's what we really would like you to believe. Here's what, here's our new messaging. Here's our new programming. Like I said, we work all the way through it and hopefully land on affirmations. It's a process, you know, the brain has to be ready to receive it. So in EFT, we use a system of rating. So like if somebody's really intensely feeling their emotions or whatever, and they're kind of, we use a zero to 10 scale. If they're in an eight to 10, we know that they need to be venting, right? Like that emotion just needs to, hold the the floor and that gets to be where we focus our language on and the language we use reflects that if they're between a four and a seven they're ready for some of that possibility to be introduced so we might ask them what is it going to take for you to let this go what would it look like for this to be differently what would it look like if this felt this way instead of this way and then the subconscious will start to kind of toss out answers and then once we've kind of gotten us you know everything kind of worked through and you're at a zero to three that's where the brain is like, I'm calm. I've told you what I've needed to tell you. You've told me what I needed to hear back. Like, all right, I'm ready to listen. And that's where you put in that new programming and those affirmations. And you're able to say, you know, those new beliefs of I am enough. I am worthy. I am safe, whatever it needs to be. Okay, great. And as for those affirmations, do you tell people what affirmations to say, or do you help them come up with their own? Both. And some of it's kind of an intuitive download as well, because as we're going through our sessions, right, I'm asking, I'm checking them in between each round of tapping and I'm reflecting their language back to them. They're kind of telling me what is or isn't landing. Right. 
And that's the key to EFT is that I'm using the client's language, being that mirror for the subconscious and the subconscious then can say, yes, that was spot on. I hear you. Here's the memory that goes with that. Or you're right. Like you've got me. I'm going to tell you a little bit more or the subconscious and go, no, it's quite right. I think it's actually this. Then where that gets to is the client can kind of start to say, you know, because we ask those questions and possibility, they start to like know where they'd rather feel. They start to know what they would rather believe. So I watch for certain language to come up that they're sharing. And then I have, have learned through this process of, okay, how do I then translate that into an affirmation? What would that look like in the affirmative? And then some of it, I just kind of let download as well. Um, and I always kind of ask the clients like, Hey, this is what my intuition is telling me. Like, can I share that with you? And if you, if it lands great, if it doesn't leave it, right. They take what works, leave what doesn't. Um, and I've had some really beautiful intuitive downloads of affirmations for clients. That's kind of cool for them because they're like, wow, I feel really seen. That's the beauty of like getting to do this work with your subconscious and being this mirror for this is you gave me the key. You built the mirror. I just held it up and like showed you what was there. And then they get to kind of have this new perspective and go forth with these new feelings and emotions and beliefs. That's great. And how often do you recommend that your clients recite their affirmations? As much as you can be consistent, right? And I... I struggle with consistency. Me too. <laughs> I am I am not good at any kind of daily practice. So my advice is always going to be do what feels best and works for you. If that's once a week, great. If it means putting it on a sticky note so that you're at least seeing it, right? And maybe not saying it out loud. Um, I have sticky notes kind of randomly throughout my house. In fact, I just found one. Um, I was looking for something else before I came on to get on here. And I was like, oh, and it was, I am enough. And I'm like, that's right, I am. And <laughs> I just have them stuck random places um, in my house and I'll find them randomly every now and then. It, it always seems to be kind of synchronous when I find them. And I'm just like, yeah, I forgot I'd written that down, you know? And another thing I had this recommended to me by another coach is writing an evidence journal, right? Or the universe has my back journal. And just like writing those affirmations in there and then when they've come true, right, when the universe has shown you that those are valid, like writing about that, I think is another way to kind of confirm those as new beliefs is yeah. when you can have that, that evidence that the universe brings with you and has your back on this. I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah. I really like that idea. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah. so as for the tapping sessions, after how many sessions would somebody start feeling a difference in their lives? Um, some people feel it after one, some people, you know, need at least three to five sessions. It just depends again, how deep are we going and what is the subconscious going to give us to work with? Okay. And how long are the sessions typically? Typically about 90 minutes is an average session, um, just so that we can kind of walk through and get through everything. And, you know, and again, if we're kind of nearing the end of time, um, we're trained in how to kind of put it away and end a session, you know, so that somebody's not left. Oh my gosh, I just had this realization and like, ah, we always do our best to end a session in a way that, you know, my clients are in the middle of like trauma or like having this memory just come up and then we leave it sitting there wide open. We have really beautiful ways that we've been trained in how to put those away for the clients so that they can leave a session feeling good. And then we can always pick it back up in the next session. 
Great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really great. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I loved learning about EFT, but I want to talk a little bit about something that you mentioned in the beginning was that you were taking care of everybody else and then you were getting drained of that energy and not taking care of yourself. So can you speak a little bit to that? Because I just know, I know a lot of people that do that and they pour their hearts out and they're so give, 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 but then they're left drained. They're left with nothing. So can you speak a little bit to that? I believe in revolutionary self-care. And the reason I call it revolutionary is because I think we need to revolt against patriarchy and capitalistic ways of doing things. Um, And I love that now that there's been so many people that have gotten to work from home, like they don't want to go back to the traditional office or they're going back and they're realizing like, I can't do this anymore. That revolution is starting to happen where like, oh, self-care isn't just pedicures and massages. It's might be working from home. So I have a better work family life balance. It's not having to like sit in two hours of traffic today. You know, it's having these ways to kind of live life more aligned and more free and getting back in touch with our core values. Like I'm not going to just plug away for the machine anymore because I've now gotten a taste of what it means to sit on a computer with no pants on and still conduct <laughs> businesses, you know, right? Like I am a big advocate for knowing what your core values are and then living in alignment with those and then applying that to self-care around the whole wellness wheel. So all the aspects, right? So occupational, financial, social, educational, all aspects. A lot of times people just think of, right? Like physical health and Mm self-care. No, there is such a thing as financial self-care. Are you able to pay your bills? Does your job, you know, fulfill you? Are you paying your bills on time? Like, what are you doing to financially have self-care so that you financially aren't adding stress or strain to your life? You know, occupationally, what are you doing? Like, are you in a job that is literally killing you? Cause I've been there. I've been in a job where I literally had to hand a doctor's note and just be done. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no two weeks notice, no nothing. Because my doctor said, this job is literally killing me. I gotta go. And so like, you know, and socially, what are you doing socially? And that's hard. That's been hard for a lot of us in the last year. And now as things are slowly kind of starting to change, you know, what does that look like? And I know for me, Like I went out to dinner the other night with a friend who was in town and I hadn't seen her in well over a year because of COVID. I'm like, we're in a restaurant. (laughs) I'm in Portland, Oregon and she's up in Washington and Washington's been a little more lenient than Oregon has. So she, it was no thing to her. Right. But for me, I was like, I haven't been out to eat inside a restaurant in a really long time. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like I think I don't know what to do with this I mean this is great I'm so glad I'm sitting here across from you but it changes our social being right so that's another type of self-care that we're all now having to navigate is what does this mean for me to kind of come back into this world and have my social needs met because most of them have been met via computer screen for the last year and a half I try to look at it at that whole person perspective you know and then boiling it back down does this align with my core values because if we do things out of alignment of our core values we aren't taking good care of ourselves. We're going to be burnt out, angry, resentful, possibly even get to the point of like aggressive or just done. Right. That's kind of where I have my take on self-care. And also, I mean, I'm not discounting the pedicures and the massages. I get my massages every two weeks. 
my massage therapist is my, I call him my brother. He is a brother to me. Like he's one of my dearest friends and I trust him implicitly, but like he gets to take care of my body every other week. Part of that is, you know, I have chronic um, illness and disability as well. So it's an absolute necessity. I am privileged enough to have a hot tub, but that's also like another necessity for my care. So then knowing what you absolutely need and finding ways to make that happen. And again, I recognize my privilege and like being able to afford massages and having a hot tub, but maybe it means you make some homemade bath salts and like make time for that bath. And if you've got kids or a partner saying, no, like this hour is mine. Do not knock on the bathroom door. I do not exist. There's no like, Hey mom, or Hey, like, no, this is, you know, setting those boundaries and having that protected time and space is so important. I had to set some hard boundaries a couple of weeks ago. You know, I had some fallout in some communities and some spaces. People knew that they had done some harm and like they kept wanting to check in. And I was like, look, I'm in a space of like, do not talk to me. I was very much in F off energy. <laughs> I just <laughs> needed to be left the F alone. People weren't hearing it at first. And so I went to social media because social media sometimes is the platform that we have. And I'd already, I'd recently had a brand photo shoot done where in there, I'd actually had some pictures taken of me flipping off the camera because it was an inside joke with my, like my dad was my dad's go-to pose. So it was something I did to honor my dad. And I was like, how perfect that I have this picture. And so I posted the picture online and was like, look, I'm in an F off energy space. I need to be in this space. I need people to respect my boundaries. And that means please do not slide into my DMs. Please do not come onto my text messages. Please do not comment. I am okay. Yes, my world has imploded. Yes, nothing feels safe. Yes, I'm in a really dark space and I will be okay. Mm-hmm. And for me to get to the okay, I need to sit with these really hard things right now and be left the F alone. Right. And I need you all to respect that boundary. And I love that you guys want to check in on me. Don't, mm-hmm. just don't. People respected it. And it's been a very interesting kind of coming out of it in the last couple, like last week, because there's the people that, oh my God, what a great example you are of how you set boundaries and how you like protect your emotional space and you do what you need to do for you. And you set those, you know, expectations and you make it really clear and you took care of yourself. And then I have my friends, my dear, dear friends who I knew that they were just, oh, we were so worried about you. And it was all like, it took all my resolve not to message you. And I'm like, Aww. and I appreciate you so much <laughs> for not, you know, like I knew I'd be on your heart and I, I appreciate you for respecting that boundary. And there were a couple of people that still kind of pushed and had to kind of get redirected. And then there were people that were mad. There mm-hmm. were people that mad, were mad. They took it personally. They thought I was, you know, singling them out. And it's like, no, there was multiple people that put me in a space math off energy. Like I literally had 24 hours of everything just kind of, you know, falling apart. And, and I even said at the bottom of my post, don't take this personally. <sighs> it's funny how people did. And some of them, you know, kind of threw it back at me and kind of got a little gaslighty. And the reason I kind of share all this is boundaries to me are the biggest part of self-care. And there are going to be people that push those boundaries when you set them because they've gotten used to either taking advantage or you always being available. So when you set those boundaries and you set them hard and fast, they are going to return to being a two-year-old and throw an adult-sized tantrum of, 
either trying to make you feel bad or disrespect. And I hope you can stay strong in those boundaries because you will thank yourself for it. They will hopefully learn a lesson in it. Only when we can stay strong in those boundaries, do we then get to really develop that practice of self-care and it becomes easier with time. And then pretty soon you don't have to set the boundaries as often or as hard because people know, Mm -hmm. they know how you operate and they know, you know, kind of now how to approach you. And it's a beautiful thing when you then get to just be like, no, and no is a complete sentence and people respect Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Boundaries are a huge part of self-care. And I think they may be the part of self-care that people have the hardest time with. It's so difficult for people to set boundaries. They feel guilty. They feel selfish. And then, like you said, people push those boundaries and it's hard to stay strong in them. But I agree. I think over time you almost train people how to treat you and how to respect you. I totally, we very much teach people how to treat us. We need to remember that no is a complete sentence. We do not have to justify that no. And when you're saying no to someone else, you are saying yes to yourself. And it is more than okay to say yes to yourself. I love that. Well, Amanda, this has been amazing. I love talking with you about boundaries and self-care and learning about EFT. And I know my audience is just going to get so much, gain so much from this interview. Can you share with my audience about your retreat happening in August? Yes. So I am so excited to be bringing more of my work out into the world. Sorry, fellas. It's for women and women identifying folks only. And it's called Discover Your Inner Badass Self. My tagline is, I am the badass of holding compassionate spaces. And I want more women to be their badass selves as well. And so we're going to start digging into that deep inner work and do some amazing exercises, including some tapping and just really start to kind of dig in so that you can kind of discover who you are at your core figure out where your core values are, what is in alignment for you, what isn't, isn't going to work for you anymore. So you can start to set those boundaries easier, right? And just so that you can kind of start to get comfortable in your own skin and embrace the badass that you are. And I just want women to come in and start to lean into who they are and love who they are at their core, and then be ready to share it fearlessly and fully embodied with the rest of the world. Awesome. Well, that sounds really great. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. And that retreat is going to be August 20th and 21st. And um, I can share the link with you so you can share that with your community as well. And I would love to see any women there that are ready to dig in and start doing that deep inner work. Perfect. That will definitely be in the show notes. So everybody make sure you check that out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on and teaching all of us about EFT and the benefits of tapping. That was really great. And also about self-care and boundaries. Like we said in the interview, I think that building boundaries is so incredibly difficult for people. So I'm really glad that Amanda brought that up. And Amanda, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your journey with us and all the grief that you have experienced and the dark places you've been to and how you got yourself out of those places. I think that that's really important and powerful for people to hear. And I really thank you for sharing that with us. Everyone definitely check out Amanda's two-day virtual retreat happening in August. That link will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out along with 
Amanda's social media where you can find her. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook. So check that out. And she does have a Facebook group as well. I did invite Amanda to come into my Facebook group to do a lesson or a video of her choosing. So that will be really exciting. So join my Facebook group if you are not in it yet. It is facebook.com backslash groups backslash according to Des. And on Facebook, you could search the wellness project with Des and that will pop up. If you are in my Facebook group already, keep a lookout for that. Again, thank you so much, Amanda. I loved speaking with you and I loved learning about your journey and EFT and EFT or EMDR is actually something I've been looking into getting certified in. So I really enjoyed learning more about it and learning the differences between EFT and EMDR. So I'm still debating which one I want to get trained in, but that is something that I've been looking into. So I am excited about that. I'm trying to kind of learn these other modalities and techniques to help people. So I'm really excited about that. I've been looking into different programs, so we will see. So again, this was my 50th episode. Thank you so much for following me along on 50 episodes of my podcast and bearing with me through the shifts and changes I've been making. But I think this is where we're going to stick with the wellness project with Des and interviewing people on mindset and mental health and trying to bring you tips every week to every other week. So thank you for tuning in and I will see you next week with another amazing guest. <laughs>